This is the Emerge and Expand podcast, a place for introverted and sensitive souls who are trying to cut through the noise online and create success in their own businesses on their own terms. I'm your host, Catherine McKenzie-Smith, and I'm so glad that you're here. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Emerge and Expand podcast. I have another interview in the Do Business Differently interview series for you today. But before we get into it, I just wanted to remind you about my new Get Out of Your Head and Get Into Action seven-day journey called One Step at a Time. It is completely free. You can download it at katherinemckenziesmith.com forward slash journey. And if you're listening to this between the 6th and the 13th of July, I'm running three free live stream sessions in my introvert friendly business community. So if you'd like to come along to that, all of the details will be in the show notes or head to katherinemckenziesmith.com forward slash journey to get all of the details and first access to the guide when it's available. Now, let me introduce you to the guest for today's Do Business Differently interview. It is my friend, Brooke McCarthy, who I met when I was very early in my business back in Sydney at a B-School meetup back in the day. And I just really appreciated Brooke's no BS approach to business and the stories that she tells, not just in her life, but also through her marketing messaging. So I'm really excited to share this conversation with you today as well. Brooke works with values-based business owners who deliver professional services through business coaching, training courses, and masterminds to equip owners to earn consistent 10K months while magnifying their impact without burning out, getting overwhelmed, or overspending on team, tech, or other fancy stuff. Hi, Brooke. I'm so excited to reconnect with you today and have an amazing conversation with you. Me too. Me too. It's been six years. At least six years since I was living in Sydney and was probably the last time that we got to see each other. Indeed. Long time ago. I know. So great to reconnect. And I know this conversation is just going to be so juicy today. I can already tell from uh, the chat we had before we started recording how good it's going to be because there's so many things that we could talk about and I'm excited to see how that plays out. Yeah, we're like, come on, we have to hit record. This is good. <laughs> don't, don't waste the good stuff. But just for anyone who is listening who isn't uh, across your work, can you start by just telling us a little bit about what you do and who you support? Yes, uh, I'm a business coach. Please don't hold that against me. I'm also a business trainer and I work with uh, soloists and business owners. They tend to come from the health uh, sector um, as well as creative sector. So I do tend to uh, attract a lot of writers and videographers and generally kind of creative people, even if they don't consider themselves creative, even if what their work isn't kind of obviously creative they are still creatives and um, sensitive folk critical thinkers uh, and most often women so I don't I do have um, some men mainly gay (laughs) but the majority of my clients are female and um, a lot of them are over 40 as well. Now, you said don't hold that against me. So that actually brings me to a question that I really like to ask. What is it about the work that you do and when maybe you started your business that made you want to do business differently from how others in your industry do it? 
How long have you got? So many things. And in fact, like I find it personally really motivating to look at other people doing a shockingly shit job of something. And I think, oh God, like I almost feel a moral obligation. You know, I can think off the top of my head at least three instances. There was one time I was just about to quit social media marketing. I found it, uh, sorry, social media marketing training. I found it very hard work to deliver that. I found people got highly emotional and I was like, I'm done with this. I'm too old to be teaching it anyway. You know, let let the young kids teach this. And then I went to a business event. There were about 300 people in the room. It was one of those events where you know you're going to get pitched because the ticket's free or the ticket's cheap. And they pack people in and they got the credit card machines out the back, you know, near the doors. And uh, the guy, and the guy, I wasn't paying much attention when I booked it, but it was all about social media marketing. And the guy who shall remain nameless was standing on stage giving the worst, most unworkable advice to a room full of small business owners that I just, I I kind of felt morally obligated to keep going. (laughs) I have to say, when you just said that, I was like, I have definitely had periods like that. Yes. Yeah. And a compliment that I get a lot from clients is uh, that I'm honest. And I find that that's like a recurring compliment. I find that a really weird compliment. And I, it just makes me think, what the hell are you, who are you interacting with? Um, that, you know, I stand out as an honest person. Like it's just there's some, yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah, you think that that should just be a standard and yeah, the sure. fact that that's something that stands out to people Surely. says yeah. a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. This should be like the bare minimum. This should be the yeah. price of entry is that you're honest, you know. So, mm. yeah, that's <laughs> that's wild. Actually, I need to take a moment to just recover from that. Yeah. Oh, look, there are so many different directions that I know that we can go talking about this. And I know coaching is one that you and I both are in, but also have many, many opinions about. So I guess when we're talking about standing out and, and having this moral obligation to show up in that way, can you yeah. give us any examples of, you know, if you've got a slick marketing message, it can be yeah. really easy to for people to get kind of caught up in that versus yeah. actually what people should be looking for when they're deciding who they want to work with as a, as a business coach? Yeah, I mean, I think that there are, you know, so many things to consider here um, and I'm just trying to, you know, pull out all the different threads, you know, in my mind while I sound articulate and hopefully funny. <laughs> um, but I think that, you know, coaching at its best is unbelievable. It's amazing. It's the best job in the world uh, you know, both being a coach is amazing and receiving coaching is phenomenal. And I wish that, you know, everybody had access and that this was, you know, something really normal and not, you know, not something that's in vogue or different mm-hmm. or unusual. Um, and then having said that, I think it potentially puts you in a position as a coach, it potentially puts you in a position of great power, which mm-hmm. means that it is, you know, a position that you can abuse. Um, and I don't know if you remember, but I did a religious studies degree and I studied cults at university. Yes. And, and I also accidentally joined a cult. Good news. They were very lovely 70s, you know, free love and mung beans um, kind of cult. So it was a lovely experience. Not a Kool-Aid um, cult. <laughs> no, not one of those weird cults. Um, you know, apart from all of the, you know, the 
meditation at the full moon and all that kind of stuff. It was a tantric Hindu cult for those who are interested. And the uh, the guru was uh, from Calcutta. Uh, he died in about 1990. Anyway, point being is it it made me kind of very, very sensitive to abuse of power. Mm. And, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, the wisdom of hindsight, I think I've been scared of my own power and scared of my own leadership. And for many years when I felt like clients and others were looking up to me or respecting me, it you know it it caused this weird reaction in me, mm. whereby I didn't I really didn't like it. Yeah, um, I think it's always really useful not to put anyone on a pedestal because we are all normal slobs. We are all human, and being a coach doesn't make you some kind of Buddha. You know, I yeah. think that's um a popular misconception. That, you know, because you're a coach, you somehow have all your shit together and Mm -hmm. you never feel jealous and you never get angry and you never say things you regret. And that is far from the truth. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it 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 is, you know, sometimes a bit of a minefield. Uh, and you know, I have a big screening process. Normally, by Mm -hmm. the time I get on a sales call with um somebody who wants one-to-one coaching, they've filled out two different forms. Um, and then, you know, during that sales call, I'm uh, vetting them, so to speak. Mm. This is not a very not a very nice word, is it? I'm trying to find out, you know, I'm trying to feel into, you know, are we a good fit personality-wise? Mm. Will you get an excellent return on investment? You know, are we the kind of personality that fits together like, you know, hot chips and seagulls? Um, because I don't, you know, want to get into a situation where there's a weird dynamic yeah um and you know to learn from experience you know sometimes hard experience (laughs) what personality types and go well with my personality type and what personality you know types don't because you know how I approach business is I want my clients and myself to be a mutual admiration society of two equal consenting adults who are both bouncing off each other's mm-hmm. you know ideas and energy mm-hmm. and are both kind of benefit- benefiting it's like a win-win relationship you know and so you know as a consequence i probably turn down more people than i take on and the other thing too is that i think one to one business coaching is expensive and group business coaching is an excellent alternative that tends to be a hell of a lot more cost effective as well One thing that really I'd love to go a little bit more into is, you know, this idea of the power or the imbalance of that, I I think, power dynamic or that dynamic that, like you said, can be as coaches something we need to be cautious of. But I think also as clients, as consumers of content, as people who are usually when you go into business interested and curious and learning new skills all the time. And one thing that I often say to my clients who are more introverted, more highly sensitive, that Mm. when you have an energy field that is affected by the energy of other people, being really mindful and grounded in our own sovereignty is so important because Mm. we can 
that boundary can get really blurred. Mm. And we and and I say to people, I've said this to so many clients over the years, which I don't know if it's a bit harsh, but like stop trying to give me all your power because right. that's something that people do prey on, I think. And we see yeah. this in sales and marketing messaging yes. and, and tactics. Yeah. But yeah. I think as well, we all need to take responsibility for our own yes. boundaries as well. And yes. actually stop seeing people who maybe we think are making more money than us or who have more followers than we do or are our coach or someone that we're learning from. Yeah. Actually stop handing our power over to them and, and yeah. be really mindful of that too. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think you've knit, uh, you've knit, you've hit the nail, the hammer, the nail. Anyway, you've hit something. I think... Um, you know, to bring in another another metaphor, you bang on. There's so many things you said there. And so I'm going to try and pull out the different threads because I, I think you said something about taking responsibility. Mm. Um, I think you were also referring to the fact that there's a lot of charlatans and that, mm-hmm. you know, buyer beware that we need to do our due diligence. Yeah. Um, and you also talked about um, sensitivity and um, empathy and um so let me try and address those amazing <laughs> thanks for sorting out my my no <laughs> no I'm helping myself here because I'm like shit there's so many things to say um I might start I might start backwards with the sense of the mm-hmm. empathy thing because I want to I want to confess something to you Catherine I was provoked by your marketing for for quite a while oh wow yeah, because you talked about highly sensitive people. Mm. And uh, it took me to the age of about 38, 39, before I admitted to myself and then quietly to close friends and family that actually I was highly sensitive. Amazing. <laughs> And one of the reasons, oh, you know, wow. that, that that would kind of provoke me is, you know, mm. it triggered me. I kind of thought, mm. you know, ah. Highly sensitive people. Why don't you just get on with, it? get on with it? Because when I was growing up as a kid, you know, that was it was always like Brooke, stop being so sensitive all the time. You know, I got that a lot. So I always yeah. thought it was um, a liability rather mm-hmm. than you know a you know an attribute or a superpower. And I think you are correct in that if you're in the company of someone say on a sales call or perhaps on an event when you've got some somebody charismatic standing on stage you know going through testimonial after case study after testimonial mm. and selling something as a highly sensitive person as an empathetic person we are highly vulnerable to getting caught up in that and going yes and i've made many weird and wonderful you know decisions over the years where like I think one of the strangest ones more recently I donated a hundred US dollars to a woman whose pet rat had just died (laughs) okay that's my favorite one I've heard so far oh yes your poor pet I I think I've seen uh, you write about your bleeding heart (laughs) before god what was I like I don't know I was caught up in a, a whirl of emotion there Mm. and empathy but um i think it's really useful in that scenario to know yourself to have the self-insight to say 
you know, this is fun and it's exciting, but I never buy. I never buy in the, in those moments. I always walk away. I do my best to always walk away and consider things, do the background research, make sure the claims somebody's making while standing on stage are actually factual. And yeah. oftentimes a quick Google search will show that they're not. And also, you know, to your point, we are responsible adults, and I think as an empathetic, highly sensitive person, we can be over-responsible. Our people-pleasing tendency can make us over-responsible, yeah. and that kind of can-do helpful attitude of like, I'm going to help you, and I'm going to, you know, I'm a good person, I'm going to help you, can bleed into this over-responsibility. So mm. I think part of the process is to recognise and take responsibility for your own decisions and also, you know, to forgive yourself for all the many and varied mistakes that as a human being we all make yeah. uh, and not let that kind of, you know, sully, sully your enthusiasm. Yeah, it's <laughs> such a it's such an interesting line to walk, isn't it? Yeah. Because it's like the when you said over-responsibility, I felt that so deep because I know that that definitely has and does impact my business. The mm. way that I feel about living within a capitalist structure, I know that that impacts my mm. business growth. I know that wanting to be ethical and take care of people and not buy into some of the tactics that I personally disagree with mm. or, or feel mm. icky to me, mm. you know, it's it's like constantly checking in with that. And I think it is sometimes it can be, I mean, it's a, such a good thing. I mm. think it's a, a high value of mine, but I think it can also be something that takes a little bit away and, and holds us back a little bit as business owners as oh, well, 100%. you know, from yeah. the other side. Yeah. And, you, you know, I think one of your first questions was, why do I do what I do? And, you know, I immediately launched into the negative. But I think that, you know, one of the big motivators is that there are a lot of very conscientious highly thoughtful, um, deep and meaningful, you know, thinkers and feelers, people that have decades of experience. Most of the people I work with have been at their craft for at least 10 years, if not more. Yeah. Um, and because of that, it, business is a hell of a lot harder than it needs to be. And we do get in our own way and we do sabotage ourselves. And, you know, we do take too much responsibility sometimes for all of the best intentions. You know, yeah. we can have the best and most pure of intentions to help people and save the world and all the rest of it. But what we're doing in the process is we're taking other people's agency away without realising that mm -hmm. we're taking other people's agency away. And so like a quick example um, was a, a mistake I made a lot in my first years in business, which is assuming somebody couldn't afford me. I did this over and over and over and over again. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's pretty true of a lot of business owners. A lot of us kind of make assumptions. We we look at somebody and we make a snap judgment or we have a conversation, we make a snap judgment. Um, but by assuming that somebody couldn't afford me, I was taking somebody's agency away. Yes. And it's, you know, with all the best of intentions, it's been proven to me over and over again ever since, you know, how wrong I was. You know, mm -hmm. people are buying your services or not buying your services for many and varied reasons that have nothing to do with how much money they have in their bank account. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Thank you so much for saying that. That conversation has happened maybe three times in the last couple of weeks in my Emerge and Expand membership. And it's so nice to have somebody else say it in a different way because I hope that if something didn't make sense the way I was saying it, that what you've just said there really hits home for that because you're absolutely yeah. right. At no point should we be doing anything but showing up in the best interest of mm. the work, the business, <laughs> the work that we're here to do and hold space for that client or those people that we're you know supporting in some way mm-hmm. and it is never our responsibility to put anything project anything of ourselves or our own mindset onto anybody else that's I mean that's just, this is one of the ways that we make business way harder than it needs to be we spend so much time letting other people squat in our brains we spend so much time with energy vampires who suck mm-hmm. you know our life force from us and do so in very kind of subtle ways mm-hmm. You know, I remember having a relationship. I was fairly young. I think I was only about 17. And I remember entering the relationship and feeling pretty good about myself. I was like, you know, I'm 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 rocking at life. I was 17. It was the best year of my life. And I exited the relationship 18 months later. And I had all these, you know, these feelings and these perceptions of myself. And it, you know, about a year passed, which I think is, you know. A normal period of grief, maybe getting a relationship. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? Like these were introduced and they were introduced mm-hmm. very subtly. They weren't introduced in an obvious yeah. way, you know? Yeah, that is a really great point. And that kind of makes me want to swing back around to the online space mm. because I think not only is that who who we're spending time with and who we're in community with in our businesses, which can be when you're a solopreneur, it can be something that is very lonely and you spend a lot of time on your own. And so finding places where you can connect with people who are kind of on a similar journey to you is so important, but finding people who are adding and contributing to your growth and your expansion versus Mm -hmm. those little leaks. But then also the part that the online space And social media plays in that Mm. where it could just be following people who you don't even realize Mm. are are creating that in yourself. Do you have any thoughts or tips on how to navigate that without, you know, a year and a half passing before you realize like, oh, this person has been actually sending me in a different direction that I didn't even realize that by following them and being influenced by their decisions has actually made me have a business that I don't really like anymore? Yeah, look, I think we tolerate a hell of a lot more online than we would tolerate face-to-face. I think if, you know, we're in somebody's company, if we were to invite somebody into our house and they behave the way that some people behave on social media, we wouldn't tolerate it. And it would be easy to spot and we would hopefully politely ask them to leave. Um, Having said that, there's also this weird human phenomena of watching a car wreck you know, when you're driving past the car wreck and you want to watch it. So, you know, you see some social media influencer that's, you know, having a rant that you know is going to destroy their career and there is something inherently watchable, you know, about that. We all kind of crowd around. Um, but, it abs- you know, this stuff absolutely definitely has an effect on your mood and I mm. think the thing that we need to appreciate, well, there's kind of two points that I want to make. And I think they sound a little bit contradictory, but I don't think they're contradictory. I think they're a bit of a paradox rather than a contradiction. The first is that I think you can tell a lot about a business through social media. Mm. I think you can trust your intuition. You can trust 
your emotional intelligence, your interpersonal skills. I'm f- I've just started following this uh, business, which is rather big and successful. And, you know, within a couple of weeks, I'm ready to unfollow because they're talking about they're the world's best. You know, if you're going to tell me that you're the world's best or that you're Sydney's only or that you're Australia's favourite, forget about it. You're lazy. I- I'm not following you. Like it's boring. Uh, boring marketing, you know, it's vacuous promises. So you can tell a lot through social media as to the personality and you can trust that and could be a contradiction, but I don't think it is. You're only, of course, getting some of it. You're, you're only, of course, seeing what they, what they want you to see. And that's what the inside is, right? Because you can mm-hmm. tell the personality because you can tell what they want you to see and you can tell how they want you to perceive themselves. And having said that, so much of it is impersonal. So much of it is impersonal. So I think about my family. I come from a long, rich history of cynics and skeptics. My father was, you know, he's one of the most cynical people I know and he's an old journalist. And um, so we'd watch news readers. If you're with my family, we're all very loud and we're opinionated and everybody's kind of talking over everybody. Um, and highly sensitive, which is a terrible combination. Very argumentative and yes. constantly having your feelings hurt. Yeah, my dad and I, that's basically my relationship with my dad. <laughs> Good, I'm glad it's not just us. Loud and sensitive and Loud opinionated. Sense. Sometimes yeah. on the same side, sometimes on opposite <laughs> sides. It's messy. <laughs> well, I tell you what, you're watching television with my family and the news commenter, you know, the news compare comes on and they, the newsreader starts talking about whatever. Everybody will lay into the hair or the makeup or the clothing or the whatever, you know, the like they'll just be, you know, brutal. Yeah. And does it mean anything? No, it means absolutely nothing at all. Now, that person on you're reading the news might be the best and most amazingly, you know, person ever. How would we know? We don't care. We're making a quick snap judgment that has absolutely no weight behind it. Mm-hmm. So do not, the point I'm trying to make is do not derive your self-esteem from the internet. Do not use social media as your unpaid psychologist because it's only going to end in tears, yeah? The people that know you intimately are probably four or five people at the most. If somebody jumps on your social media and makes a hurtful remark, it's not meaningful. It doesn't It doesn't need to have a story behind it. Yeah, that's such a great point. Thank you so much for saying that. And I think because that's something that really does hold people back from posting. And when we see that, especially I think Instagram is probably one of the worst offenders of this, it really did become the platform of curating Mm. what your life looked like and that becomes a way that you position yourself as an expert and the way that you position your lifestyle brand. Do you have any thoughts on how to just, I guess, protect yourself a little bit from that as a business owner but also how to show up while you're navigating the human messiness and wanting to share your work and your message, support people in how you do in your business, but in a way that is real Mm. without the airing all your dirty laundry. I think Brene Brown says that we are all authentic. We are just either choosing to, you know, display that in the world or not. Mm. And I guess I don't really, you know, back to that honest compliment, I don't really see an alternative to being authentic. 
Yeah. It has never the the story that you were referring to about the only kid wearing woolens at primary mm-hmm. school. My mother sent me to my mother is a real personality and she's had a massive influence uh, on me. And when I was a kid, you know, she just never gave a shit about um, fitting in. And she used to she sent me to kindergarten in a woolen jumper. Everybody else has got like the pullovers. And that was the least of it. You know, there was so much other things. There was like the apples. Everybody had chips and muesli bars. We weren't allowed chips and muesli bars. Um, And she always said to me over and over again, my whole childhood, you know, don't let them put you in a box, Brooke. Don't let them pigeonhole you. Keep them guessing. You know, don't try and fit in. Like it's the worst thing you can do is try and fit in. So I had that very positive influence and I never really tried. I never really, you know, and it's not always been, you know, roses. Sometimes I feel intensely lonely. But when I'm putting marketing out there onto the internet, when I'm sharing stuff and especially stuff I feel nervous about, especially stuff where I'm like my hands kind of shaking and I'm like, oh, you know, how will people perceive this? How will they receive this? The I always have a good response. I've always mm-hmm. had a great response because the people that matter love it and they email me and they say thank you. Thank you for putting this out there because I thought I was the only weirdo that had this experience and I'm so <laughs> glad and grateful to find out I'm not alone. Yeah. And I've had the similar I've had a similar thing, you know, when I'm feeling like I'm the only weirdo that's going, you know, why does everybody think this is good when it's clearly shit, you know, and then one other person on the internet gives me language or backs up my argument or gives me nuance or helps me understand my own thinking better. I'm so grateful for that. You know, I'm so appreciative. And when I go on Instagram, I don't feel bad. I feel smarter. I feel challenged. I feel excited. I'm surrounded by, you know, interesting company because I've gone out of my way, you know, to curate that and to find people, to follow threads, to follow people and see who they're interacting with and understand, Mm -hmm. you know, what their ideas are. And you, you said something in your question. You said, you know, how do we show up and how do we show our work? And I think this is a big piece of it because we've been talking about you know the the false you know the falseness of it all and the the display and the performance and I think we fall down where we think we have to have the lifestyle and we have the lifestyle is the marketing you know I just Mm -hmm. need to photograph myself in a coffee shop or here's me in Paris or here's me walking around you know the amount of people you know when you find the backstories when you understand the actual details People hire Airbnbs, they go to hotels to take photos to post it on social media. That's weird. You don't have to sell your lifestyle. Your lifestyle is not on display. And if you think you do, well, of course you think you do because that's what everybody teaches you. That's what you see. That's what that's the culture of Instagram is like, you know, the female, you know, empowerment lifestyle brand, female Mm -hmm. lifestyle empowerment brand, which is. Um, what Kelly Deals calls it, when you lead with your work, when you lead with your ideas and when you, you know, I like to think of myself not as a marketer but as a journalist and the journalist Mm -hmm. says the thing that's unpopular. The journalist speaks truth to power 
And yeah, maybe my business, absolutely, definitely my business is not going to be as big. Absolutely, definitely I'm not going to make as much money. I don't give a flying shit, you know. I really don't because it's more important that I feel good about myself and that I feel like I'm, you know, excited by my work and excited by my ideas than, you know, making another hundred superficial friendships online. And, you know, I think that like we have this weird idea, we look at other people and we go, oh, right, okay. So my life started when I started my business. And if the details of my background aren't relevant, I'm just going to like edit them out and I'm going to make it palatable and easy to understand and really clean and consistent. Yeah. And that's not, that's not a a human life. How you use those stories to bring that around to a message mm. about using stories mm. to communicate your message. Like it's such a beautiful full yes. loop. Yes, absolutely. And so I think if you're selling services, you're selling promises. If you're selling coaching or energetic healing or, you know, something that is kind of intangible. You can't pick it up. It's not like a pencil where you can touch it and you can smell it and go, is this the kind of pencil I want? You know, is this the kind of price I want to pay for this concrete, you know, object? You've got to use words, you know, and whether Mm -hmm. you use those words via podcasts or video or blogging or whatever really doesn't matter. Yeah. But you can't say, I've got this thing. It's great. You should buy it. You know, because we get that all day long and no one's going to believe it. It's easy, easy to say, right? But you've got to do more than that. You've got to make something that's abstract, Mm -hmm. tangible. And how do you make it tangible? Well, one of the best and easiest, most accessible ways of doing it is to color in the details, to use the senses, to talk about the woolen, you know, jumper. And you could probably imagine now, okay, I'm a kid. I hated woolen. I hated the feeling of wool next to my skin. When I say that to you, you're probably, you know, recalling and remembering that. And the Brisbane humidity thinking about wool on my skin right now, it makes me 100%. 100%. And, you know, so I use music. One of the, you know, benefits of being a business owner is I get to impose my musical taste on other people. And, I'll use, you know, music, I'll talk about songs because Mm. it brings that sense back. You know, all of a sudden I can hear the song, I can picture the year, uh, I can picture the fashion, I can describe the food or the feeling, you know, in depth and detail and colour and then I can kind of help people kind of understand the transformation that I'm selling. Mm, that's the difference right that's the depth and the texture that comes through painting a picture versus being like a color by numbers yeah looks kind of like everyone else yeah and the difference is is you really yeah the difference is yeah it's the it's the ideas it's Mm. the feelings that you're provoking you know nostalgia I use nostalgia quite a lot in my marketing in my storytelling um, because, you know, it's it's a really easy entry to get people to feel something. Now, yeah. any Tom, Dick and Harry can post a photo on Instagram or update their LinkedIn, God forbid, or update Facebook, but 
you know, to reach through screens and pluck the heartstrings of strangers and make them feel something, make them feel something. And in that process, make them feel like they know you and they like you and they trust you. And, you know, when I start working with clients, you know, for years people have been saying, you'd like that, wouldn't you, Brooke? You wouldn't like that, would you, Brooke? You know, (laughs) because even though I've met them for the very first time, they know my opinions, they know my feelings, they know my experiences, they know my taste in music extensively. You know, they (laughs) know all this stuff and it makes everything else a piece of piece. You know, it makes sales easier, it makes trust easier. You know, you can shortcut um, the process of transformation because you're jumping straight over that no like and trust part or not straight over but you know you're moving through it quickly yeah. and getting to the good stuff quicker yeah absolutely and I think when you do that as well people know pretty quickly whether you're their person or not yes and you know it's so funny that you just I, I learned this thing on TikTok it was like a, a trend that went for a few weeks and it really resonated with me that you either came from a fast snack family or you came from an ingredient family when you were growing up and so if you came from an ingredient family when you're hungry between meals you might do things like a spoon of peanut a spoonful of peanut butter or an apple or a piece like my sister and I will live on toast like that's our snack food my partner comes from a snack family and so when he feels peckish he will literally go to the shops to buy Pringles or something and you're eating and like straight away it's one of those things that as soon as you started talking about the apple slices, I was like, oh, ingredient family, you're one of my yeah. people, <laughs> right? But yeah. I think the things that we share about ourselves, the little pieces that we share, how, like people have, this has come up a lot. He's always there, but only this week I've had four different people mention Grogu, uh, Baby Yoda in my chair there behind me. That's, I mean, in te- not intentional because this is in my room, yeah. but also yeah. it says pretty clearly like Star Wars nerd, movie geek. Is that someone who's my person? And and I think those things are that they add the depth that you can't really do in marketing and copywriting, like sales Mm. copy and SEO. Like they're the things that make us know, is this someone that I want to know better? Mm. Is this someone that I trust because they're an ingredient person and they know what it's like to grow up in a house with no snacks? (laughs) Yes, whipping up a meal for lunch. You know, I'm hungry. Yes. <laughs> Leftover <laughs> something, you know. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think you know, I think it's very human to want to mm. find your humans. I think it's yeah. really normal to want to bond with other people. And one of the ways that we bond with people is knowing and sharing the details and also a little bit of, you know, vulnerability in that. Mm. You know, I don't ever want anyone to look at me and think, oh, she's never made any mistakes and it's amazing how much she gets done in a day. I will tell everybody who listens that I've got a wife, you know, and he's an awesome cook, great, (laughs) he drops the kids to school, picks them up every day, he, you know, he goes grocery shopping, you know, like we're in bed last night and I'm trying to be, helpful and useful and you know and I'm like would you like me to cook dinner tomorrow night he, he can't stand it he's like no I know exactly what we are eating you know and it's already organized Amazing. yeah and of course if I have this partner yeah. I can get shit done because yeah. he's taking away all this other stuff I don't have to think about or worry about so you know to to think that um you know, for somebody to look and say, oh, well, Brooke's prolific with, you know, all the marketing she does and the courses she delivers. 
Well, the reason that, you know, part of that is possible is because of this guy. So yeah. why why the hell wouldn't I share that? Yeah, it's so interesting, isn't it? And I think that that's where you're really starting to see this. I hope it becomes a, tr- a bigger trend of de-influencing mm-hmm. that it's like actually just being a real person and yeah. that being more you know, inspiring permission yeah. to be also just a messy human than this aspirational, you know, influencer lifestyle that maybe of of a hopefully a previous era that we're moving into something that's just actually just like there's no power imbalance here. We're just people coming together and sharing ideas. And maybe yeah. I have some strategies or some tools that you haven't learned yet and I can share those with you if that's what you're looking for versus the kind of tactics that we have become just so tired of seeing in the online space. Yeah, 100% because you're taking your power away when you try and fit in. Like when you try and conform, when you swallow your opinion, you know, not only are you taking your power away but it leads to depression and anxiety. Like I'm a firm believer that if you try and suppress a part of your personality and you're not, you know, living in, you know, authentically, now that comes with some caveats, you know, ideally I'd just be a digital nomad, I'd just be globe trotting around, but I have two children, you know, I didn't quite think that through and that <laughs> makes it a little more complicated. Um, but, you know, when we try and kind of cleave off parts of ourselves so that we can shove ourselves into somebody else's pigeonhole, it, it doesn't end well. It doesn't end well for our business because we look like everybody else. We become a commodity. People don't choose us. They just choose us because we're the cheapest and the most convenient, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, not a race that you want to win. Yeah. And um, you know, we we don't do ourselves any favors as well because we're denying our truth. We're denying, you know, what we think and feel and believe, and we're suppressing that, and then it manifests in depression or anxiety. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as well, it also means that we don't then resonate with the people who are actually our people because we're mm. trying. I mean, this I used to notice this in Big Brother when I worked on that show back in the day. That the people who came into the house with an agenda and putting on a certain persona were either the ones that didn't last the longest or they ended up just having an incredible breakdown at some point. And the right. people who usually lasted until the end and went on actually a huge journey of self-discovery were the people who went in as 100% themselves. Oh, and wow. that was like such an amazing thing to learn in my early 20s wow. because I think it's really served me over the years yeah. as a content creator and a and an online business person. So, yeah. <laughs> And I guess it would have been particularly interesting for you because you would have seen the uncut stuff that nobody else sees, right? You're seeing as it was happening. Yep. Wow. Such a groovy job. Look, at three o'clock in the morning when you're watching people sleep, not so much. But definitely (laughs) taught me some life lessons for sure. Oh my goodness. I could literally talk to you forever. And it has been so wonderful to connect with you. And I know that there are probably 60 other conversations we could have had today, but I genuinely have just loved every second of this. And uh, thank you so much for giving so much of your time today. For anyone who would like to connect with you further, all of the links will be in the show notes. But can you also just maybe share what the easiest way or the quickest way for someone who wants to connect with you is. 
Sure. And um, thank you so much for having me because it's been a, a lot of fun and I've enjoyed all these multi-layered questions as well. It's <laughs> My great. coffee-addled brain. <laughs> and it's, it's really fun kind of um, pulling back all the layers, you know, because I know that you're somebody that likes to go deep, which is great because um, life's short. Probably the best way would be uh, my website, hustleandheart.com.au, or Instagram is my favourite. I'm trying to spend more time on TikTok and post on TikTok, but yeah, I'm feeling very old. Yeah. Well, thank you again. I hope that we can connect again really soon as well. Yes, let's. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Emerge and Expand podcast. If you'd like to get the transcript from this episode, as well as the show notes and links on how to connect with Brooke further, please head to katherinemckenziesmith.com forward slash podcast. And if you'd like to join us for the live sessions for the Get Out of Your Head and Get Into Action seven-day journey one step at a time, those sessions are starting from the 6th of July. Please head to katherinemckenziesmith.com forward slash journey. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to me if you would leave it a rating and review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Thank you again so much for listening and I will catch you in the next one.